Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. Today, I'm speaking with a fellow Scandinavian, and I couldn't be uh, happier. You know, us Norwegians, we love the Danes. We love the Swedes too, but the Danes a little bit more. Exactly. I agree. I agree. The feeling is mutual. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, So this guy has done a lot over the past 20 years. We'll touch on some of it. Um, but he is a true leader who focuses on positivity intensely, and we appreciate him so much for it, and we appreciate that he's joining us. So um, welcome, Robin Daniels. Thank you, Jürgen. Good to see you, man. <laughs> yeah, likewise, man. This is going to be so much fun. So um, everybody that has consumed any of your content um, will know that you are among the more positive voices out here in the tech and business community, and we appreciate you for that. And so my first question to you is really, you know, with this past year having, having been challenging on all fronts, right? And I know you've gone through some changes uh, as well. What's, what's keeping you as positive as you are? How are you finding, finding that positivity right now? Well, first of all, it's great chatting with you, a fellow Scandinavian. And second of all, I think the world desperately needs more positivity than ever before. You know, it's no, there's no secret that the world is going through some challenging times. And, and the more positivity you can put out there to actually make people realize that the world is not as bad as maybe it comes across when you read the news or you read your social feed and so on. Uh, and maybe make you stop and think, uh, I think that's a good thing. And so I'm very focused on try to put some positive energy out there in the world and make sure that every interaction I have with someone, whether that's on LinkedIn or in some other social media or in a meeting that I have, or when I meet somebody, that it's positive interaction that the person that is reading this or that I'm seeing or talking to ends up feeling better because of the interaction that we've had. Uh, I never want somebody to to read something or have an interaction with me and then have a, a feeling like it wasn't you know, a, a positive interaction. And of course, I know that's not always possible, but in general, that's that's how I feel. And so, and especially now when we are lacking, I think, a little bit of the humanity of being able to communicate in the way that we normally have, um, you know, because we're communicating through video conferencing incessantly. I think showing up with intention, showing up with positivity, showing up with purpose is more important than ever because so much of our time is spent in this kind of weird format that's a little bit draining for most people. And so for me showing up and actually trying to feed my energy through the screen to somebody is something I try really hard to do. I won't lie, I don't always succeed, you know, but I can tell when I am and I can tell when somebody's receiving that energy and they're becoming better because of it. So that, that's, that's a really, really key part. But it's also, I just think about, um, you know, the, 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 what we're going through in the world right now. There's no doubt. It's kind of, no, no, I've been through recessions before. I've been laid off in my life. You know, I've moved across worlds. I've been through tough times, tough bosses, but never been through anything like this before. And so I think we also need to support each other as much as we can. I think there's many of us, even me, and have my, my days where we think, you know, this is really tough. And so leaning on each other and creating a network of super positivity around you just makes your life so much better. But it starts with who you connect yourself with, what content you consume, what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, but also, of course, where you spend most of your time, which is at work. How do you show up at work? And how do you do so in a way that makes sure that if you're the boss, that you lift people up. If you're not the boss that, and you just have a team of coworkers that you're working with, how do you ensure that everyone around you becomes better because of the interactions that you have? Um, and it's something I've cultivated, I would say, you know, my entire life, really. You know, since I was uh, a kid, I grew up in a very, I would say, new age, hippie-ish family uh, in, in Copenhagen, Denmark. And there was always a lot of focus on, well, how do we 
contribute something positive to the world. And I think I've taken that lesson with me throughout my life. And even the companies I've been attracted to, I've tried to work for leaders who have, I would say, a superpower of getting people to believe in their vision. And that vision usually is a positive vision of how the world can become a better place because of what they're doing. I think that's, that's something that, that we really need right now. So, um, you know, I feel like it's, we're just getting started, you know, with this kind of notion of actually looking for the positive aspects of what's happening in the world, but there are a lot of them out there. Just maybe have to look a little bit harder. Fair point. And uh, so much good stuff in there. Thank you for sharing. You know, you, you obviously took a new job earlier this year, joined Matterport as CMO in, in March. Um, mm -hmm. Tricky, tricky timing. I joined ScreenCloud here in February, so I was right ahead of you there. But, um, but how's it been, right, uh, leading with positivity, dealing with folks you may not have even met in person through all the stuff, different people on the team probably being affected in different ways, how are you actually able to get your positivity across in a challenging, like beyond words, really type of situation like that? It's, um, it's something you have to really think, I would say hard about how you're showing up to every interaction. There's no doubt it was the weirdest onboarding I've ever had in my life. I joined this company and I haven't met anybody in my team. You know, and so you're trying to lead people and, and inspire people through a screen. And it's certainly, you know, for somebody like me who I consider myself very outgoing and I love feeding off the energy of people, I love getting into a room and whiteboarding something together, or I love getting to know somebody by saying, hey, let's go for a coffee and tell me about yourself and what do you aspire to be and who do you want to, what do you want to do in your life and all those things. It's been challenging not being able to do that. So you just have to show up in a different way. And this is also why I write a lot on LinkedIn about my tips and tricks in relationship to Zoom as an example. Zoom is the platform that everybody's using. We're using it now. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you can actually learn how to use the platform so it doesn't become an energy suck. I remember the, after almost two or three weeks of, of my new job there at Matterport, I felt so drained. And I just like, I, I've always had intense jobs, LinkedIn, WeWork, Salesforce, Box, all intense jobs where I oftentimes would sit in meetings 12, 14 hours a day. So that wasn't new to me, but it was new to me sitting and staring into a screen 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And I was so drained. I would get to Friday and I just, my, I was just fried completely. And so I, I've learned, I think over time, and I think many of us have to like, how do we use the platform to our advantage so it doesn't become a complete energy suck for us? And that's, you know, simple things like when you show up to a meeting on Zoom, you turn your camera off if you turn your camera on if you can, because there's something different about looking into somebody's face. You know, if sometimes I would show up to a team meeting and I would just stare into a you know a, a set of black squares and you're like you get no energy feedback from that at all. Mm -hmm. And so if you can, I, I always recommend turn on your camera because it, it's a good two-way way of actually sharing energy. I think even smiling. To show to you know, if you're speaking, then I should, I'm kind of showing that I'm listening to what you're saying. Or if I'm smiling, it shows that actually I'm trying to make a connection with you. I think even you know, not going on mute all the time is a, is a key thing. So many of us always go on mute because we want to be respectful for the speaker, which I totally get. But at the same time, then it's again you have this kind of weird void of no sound. And so I've been really learning how to like use the platform to to my advantage. Um, and I, I won't lie, it's, it, has, it hasn't always been easy, you know, showing up with intention here. So, so I started this job at the end of, of, of March, and one of the first things is really trying to rally the team. You know, everybody has their own mental model of what's going on in the world, their own fears of what they're dealing with. Uh, you know, are they afraid of the pandemic? Are they afraid for themselves? Are they afraid for their family? Are they afraid for their job? You know, all these things. So I think one of the first things you do as a leader is you try to, to you know, really articulate a clear vision of what it is that you're trying to do and then get everybody to be, buy into that vision. Because if you can inspire that and you can inspire a purpose for why we're doing what we're doing, I think people will step up and they'll go above and beyond what they normally do. And so one of the first things I try to really do is, okay, of course, listen to everybody and see how people are doing and, and so on. And, uh, and then try to, try to coalesce a vision of where do we need to go to to really make this company take off? And that was a fun journey because I think, you know, you, if, you, if you lay out a mental model as a leader of the stages of your leadership, how you want it to be in the next, let's say, year or two years, 
you move forward in the world with much more intention. And so, for example, I think, you know, my, my first chapter at Matterport was all about really setting a vision for the team. The second chapter was really around executing on that vision to prove that when we set ourselves to do something, we can execute on it as a team really well, that we can come together and unify. Now, the next chapter for me as well, now we've proven that we can actually do the things that we set out to do, and we've done it consistently over a period of time. How do we now unlock the opportunity to go do bigger things? Because we've earned the right to do that as a team. How do we go for the strategic and the epic things that you know, marketers really live for? How do we go and take some big swings that can really you know, hit, get, get us a home run or really get us into hyper growth? And now we've earned the right to do that. So it's exciting like mapping out your journey and getting your whole team to believe in that journey as well. Super fun, super mm. fun. So that's where I am right now. It's been seven months or so, six, seven months. And we're just gonna you know, have two great quarters of execution. The team has done phenomenally well. And again, with a backdrop of social unrest, political unrest, a global pandemic, wildfires in California, this is no joke. I mean, I just think to myself, and I said this to my team the other day, imagine what we could have accomplished if we didn't have all the stuff going on. The fact that you did all of this, you overachieved on every target that we set. You did all this with all this stuff going on in the world. Imagine what we could have done if we didn't have all this stuff that we had to contend with. And so trying to inspire that positivity and say, okay, you're right. You know, let me focus on what we can change in the world. Let me focus on my work, focus on the team, focus on the camaraderie, on, the, on, on what we have together, instead of trying to get sucked into this doom spiral of what's happening in the world. I'm not saying don't pay attention to what's happening. Of course you should. But at some point, you also just have to realize that there's things that are out of your control. And if you focus on those incessantly, you're going to end up super unhappy. And it's going to affect your mental health. It's going to affect your work. It's going to affect your relationships. So you know, certainly pay attention, but focus on what you have, can control and what you can impact. Well put. Thanks for that, Robin. So we talk a lot about connection at work, right? We talked about that being connection to people, connection to the mission, people feeling connected to the work itself and seeing how that connects to the, to the mission and purpose of the organization. And you mentioned some of the companies that, that you've uh, been at, right? Some, some pretty big ones, LinkedIn, Box, Salesforce, et cetera. Where have you seen those kinds of connections really become special and really kind of take the business forward. I imagine at all those places, but is there one that stands out? It's a good question. I feel like they, they, they were all had their moments uh, of where really the magic happened. I mean, and, and for different reasons, you know, when I joined Salesforce, I think you had such a leader, Mark Benioff is one of the most incredible leaders in the industry who both has a strong long-term vision and an incredible sense of how to get there and to be able to actually pull people along on that journey um, and do so with positivity and with force, you know, but in a, in a positive way is I've just never really seen anything like it. And, and the fact that they've changed entire industries and people's lives and, and really become the, the standard for so many different initiatives in the world, whether that's philanthropy or how to build a SaaS business, it's, it's really incredible. But one of the reasons they did it because when, at the core of it when i joined in 2007 it's kind of like a, it's a crm system it's not the most exciting thing in the world to, if we're completely honest but but mark benioff always made it seem like it was a bigger thing than selling a crm system we were on a mission to change the world and so i think so many leaders since then have learned from that it's like it's not about selling this thing which of course is important we're trying to build a business and we're trying to change maybe industries or lives but we're really trying to change the world so when i came to to box i think Aaron Levy was an astute learner from all the greats that they came before him, whether that was Benioff or Larry Ellison or all these other leaders about how do you articulate a vision and how do you get people to move along with you in that vision. And what was fun about going to Fox, because I, I came to Salesforce about 1,500 people. And then when I left, it was about 8,000 people. So quite a lot of growth in those couple of years. Then I came to Box, it was about 200 people, so much smaller. And the, the, the unifying thing there is, you know, we were a small ragtag team trying to unseat the big company. At that point in time, it was Microsoft SharePoint. So there was this camaraderie in the shared mission of what you were trying to do. Like Salesforce was trying to change an industry and trying to change the way that people bought software. 
and, and Fox was trying to unseat the big bad guy, which was Microsoft at the time. They were like dominating everything and kind of trampling on all the innovation that was happening out there. So very different, but both leaders had this amazing knack for actually bringing people along with them on the journey. And, 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 and you know, the energy that I would see come from somebody like Aaron Levy just to, to galvanize people and really talk about the way the future could be, even though we stripped away all the layers, you know, which Fox is a system for sharing files. It's like, well, okay, all right. But if this notion of the world is transforming and we're gonna be the leaders in this transformation, got everybody to for, you know, passionately believe that this was much bigger than selling software. And one of the things I've learned you know, in, in my career and since I would say, especially those two, but, but others as well, is that if you really want to build an incredible uh, set of loyalty, hardworking people, you gotta articulate a mission as a leader that people ultimately, and the mission can't be, let's go sell more shit to sell more shit. That's not inspiring to anybody. You know, it has to be something bigger. And, and nowadays, especially in 2020, we live in the time of purpose-driven companies. People really want to believe that, you know, that the products that you're selling has a deeper meaning than just, again, selling more stuff to sell more stuff. Or that the, the companies that we're dealing with are also purpose-driven. Um, and there, there's a deep meaning for actually doing what you're doing in the world. And so... We worked to me when I came there was like the ultimate culmination of, of that. You know, I, I, I went to, to LinkedIn and LinkedIn was a, was a great company to be in. You had an incredible leader in Jeff Wiener. You had an incredible product that is such a force for good in the world. You know, whenever I, I could wax lyrical about the impact that, that LinkedIn has had on my life, you know, it's like a mini TED talk every time I scroll through my feed. It's so positive. I learned so much from all these incredible leaders. I connect with great people. And it's just been such a transformative thing in my life. And so when I came there and you had a great leader, you had a really strong mission-driven team, great culture. And I thought, you know, the world needs this because the world I could already see was getting fragmented with, you know, a lot of these other social platforms are kind of tearing, you know, societies apart. But LinkedIn is such a force for good, I think. Um, and when I then learned about WeWork, it felt like a physical manifestation of what LinkedIn was really trying to be. You know, the, the vision of, of WeWork at that point in time was, if we can get people to come together, there's amazing things that happen when people actually share energy and get to know each other, it's like a physical network. And that's even what they called them in some of their pitch decks, I remember, like this physical network that they're building. So it felt like a natural manifestation of what LinkedIn maybe is missing. LinkedIn is, again, the most positive place if you wanna connect with people online but you're always missing that, that physical connection a little bit. And at that point in time, I think that was more important than ever. Of course, nowadays with COVID, we've proven that you don't actually have to be in the same room for that. But going to, going to WeWork, um, like it was a company in crazy hyper growth. You know, I think Adam Newman, for all his flaws, had articulated a vision that was so inspiring. Like most people, as sad as it might be, feels like, feel like work sucks. And the vision was, well, if we can make work suck less for you by giving you an environment that inspiring and positive and fills you with energy and surround you with people who are also like-minded individuals who are positive, aspiring, who are looking to make the world a better place, it's a win-win for everybody. And every data point that we ever had and we did a lot of research showed that people were happier in a WeWork. You know, and so I think you know, that was a mission worth fighting for. And the mission was, you know, if we can make work suck less, if we can give you happiness at, at work where you spend the majority of time, that's awesome. Now, where I think they went wrong, if you look back on kind of the arc of, the, of their story, is that I think they went too far beyond that mission too quickly. That mission was huge and it was so unrealized, this infinite amount of potential to actually make work better for everybody around the world. But once they started going into the we company and schools and apartment buildings, I'm not saying that those are not worthwhile endeavors. I just think that it was way too soon. Prove that you can scale this thing, the core, and make it successful and make people happy and make companies happy and successful. Then you get permission eventually to go much bigger. And I think, you know, they, they started getting too defocused on the core mission. Because the core mission, I think, is super worth fighting for. Um, and, and so, you know, the, I think the lesson, and it's not like I think I'm the only one to ever have, have seen this, like make this observation, is I think they went too broad, too fast. Mm -hmm. You know, for a company, you know, to, to really stay, to be successful, 
And that's true here at Matterport. Well, you got to focus. You got to focus your energy. You got to focus the energy of your team, of your, where you're, you're you know, putting your R&D efforts, where you're going to scale, where you're going to grow, how you're going to deploy your capital. Once you get outside of your core, it gets very hard to focus the team. It's very hard to tell a coherent story about it. Once we got to the point of we're trying to elevate the world's consciousness, which was kind of like this thing that was put into the S1 and we put out in the world, you know, it suddenly became very hard for people to relate to what the, the WeWork mission was. It was really hard to relate. Like, what, what does that mean to you, Elevator? Like, uh, now somebody has to decipher that for me. But if the mission is, I want to make, you know, you, you give you more joy at work and make work suck less for you and make it happier. That's kind of an easy thing to, to, to relate to. And so once you made it to, so the lesson there for me is, as, as I've you know, been reflecting on, it's like articulating a vision for your team or your company that's easy to understand, it's easy for everybody to replicate and, and, and share, is so important if you want to create a brand in the world that people can relate to. And, and that's what I'm trying to do here at Matterport. You know, I come into this company and it's incredible technology platform, incredible visionaries behind it. The customers are really happy with the impact that our technology is having on their businesses. But I would say when I looked at the marketing, when I first came in, it lacked a little bit of, of humanity. And so what we've been trying to do in the last six, seven months is bring much more focus on the human stories, the customers, and how they're being successful by using our platform versus us talking about how great our technology is. And so the lesson for me has really been around humanizing a brand. Um, it's about bringing the human stories that people can relate to. Um, and, and I think you've seen this, it's not like we're the only brand, but so many companies are now trying to bring in those human stories because that's what I want to hear about. Don't tell me about your features or how much better you are and how much faster you are. Tell me about, you know, the people who are winning and why they're winning. That's what I want to know. Wow, that was some good stuff. Thank you for all that. Um, yeah, to that last point, right? Great B2B brands, especially focus on things like people and faces, making companies human, right? They market to an actual person as opposed to just an ROI for a business, et cetera, right? We are absolutely in the era of making these B2B brands that we are all about so much more human than they've been. That's been going on for a while, but there still is like a lot, a lot of steps to take still, right? For so many right. companies. So now I hear you on that. Um, thanks for sharing about all those experiences. Sound like a couple of really standout ones there and, and some good lessons there too. Just staying on, staying on the, the WeWork thing just for a moment. So I think that point that you made about focus being not just important to the business, but down to a team level, right? Like focus is a game of discipline that has to be played through a daily reinforcement, you know, mm -hmm. with individual humans inside of it, right? Like That's as right. much as it is the mission and like is all the way down to, right? That's so right. What, what was that like? Like, what was it like inside when it was getting that broad, that wide? Like, what were some of the symptoms that you guys on the inside may have picked up on that, you know, made it hard to essentially stay focused in there? That question makes sense even, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because we were, we, were, we were such a growth company and when you're a growth company of that level, I've never really seen at that level. I've been, I've been in some decent growth companies, but this was just crazy hyper growth, right? I mean, I've never seen that trajectory before. Um, then every idea suddenly starts sounding good, you know? And there's so many people and there was really a lot of smart people and there still is a lot of smart people at WeWork. So many smart people had great ideas and every idea starts sounding good. And you start realizing pretty quickly like how many projects you have going on that really don't complement the core. I remember having this meeting with um, with Adam Newman and many of the, the people who report directly into him, just like I did, where we would sit and we had this spreadsheet. It was printed out of massive paper and it had all the projects that, that we had greenlit, I think in the last six months, maybe it was a year or something. And it was just an incredible amount of like projects. And you're like, and, and we, we had this meeting because we're like, we're getting too wide to exactly your point where we said we need to we need to get back to focusing because it's crazy how many things that are keep popping up and it's not because anybody has any ill will at all it's because people are just so excited by they keep having great ideas so as an example somebody said okay you know what we have all these we work buildings around the world 
great assets, beautiful locations, you know, but they sit empty in the evenings and weekends. Why don't we turn them into bars and nightclubs in the evening? Sounds like a good idea on paper, right? It's like they're sitting empty. Like, let's get the most value out of them. And so I think they was, that was experimented with in some locations. You know, just like when you think back, if you think logically about it, it's like, that really doesn't make any sense, right? But I can totally see how somebody in the heat of the moment goes, that's ah, a great idea. Let's use these buildings as much as we're paying a lot of money for them, right? You know, they're sitting in great locations. Let's turn it into a nightclub. <laughs> it's like what are you talking? What are you talking about, right? Yeah. And so we, we we had so many like crazy ideas, and 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 you're right. And and one of the things that that I again tried to do at at, at WeWork was focus the team. You know, I came into this team that was split over many different departments, which is also a weird thing. Marketing was split over, I think it was six or seven different teams. You had the regional teams, and then you had a central team, you had some was under finance and some was even under the CEO directly. And I'm like, I remember having this conversation with the, with Adam and I said, you know, it makes no sense the way you've set up marketing because you get no leverage, you get no consistency and you get no scale because everybody's doing their own thing. Not only that, not only is collaboration hard, it is impossible because everybody is trying to do their own thing. And if you want to create a brand, that stands the test of time, you can't do that the way it's set up because you get no consistency because everybody's off doing their own thing. And you, you probably haven't seen it, but if you look at the stuff that was put out in Asia versus South America versus Americas, it looked completely different. Branding was different, the colors were different, and the, the messaging was completely So now I said, you know, you can't create a super brand if, if there's so many different interpretations of a brand. A brand takes three things to create. If you want to create a long-term brand that people fall in love with, it takes three things. It takes focus, meaning you have to focus on it. doesn't happen automatically. That's number one. You have to focus on making it happen. Number two, it also takes consistency. So the way you show up has to be consistent over and over and over again. And it has to be consistent worldwide. You can have local nuances. Of course you can, right? You know, a little bit of local flair, which makes sense, of course. And then third, it takes time. Building a brand doesn't happen overnight. It's not something, it's not a transactional thing to build a brand. It takes years. You know, you can't do it in quarters. You can't count that. And there's a real revenue value to building a brand. You know, I think a lot of times as marketing leaders, you get caught in this question of, well, do you want to drive revenue or do you want to build a brand? Well, they're the same thing. Building a brand is driving revenue. It's just long-term revenue versus short-term revenue. If you think about performance marketing and demand and all these things that we do so often and we love doing because it drives real results, you know, really quickly, it's driving, you know, tangible results and revenue that you can kind of feel and touch. But if you want to build long-term revenue, that's brand building. So it's both building revenue. It's just how you kind of frame it. And, and I've gotten better, I think, in my careers, I've gotten older is not trying to put it in, it's either brand building or revenue building. It's all, it's all revenue building. That's really what you're trying to do. But in order to do it long-term, if you want to build a brand that people will stick with, will spend more money on, that what they will fall in love with, it takes focus and consistency and time. It really does. It doesn't happen automatically. Uh, ain't that the truth. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's, it, it, sound, it sounds simple. I'll tell you, in my experience doing some advisory work and some mentorship with you know, different founders and CEOs, everyone would nod. They would go, yeah, that makes sense. And then they go, but tell me about performance marketing. Like, how can we get results right away? Everybody wants to see results right away. And I get it, you know, but, and, and it's actually, it's, it's hard to drive results, but you can also do it fairly quickly, right? You just spend more money or you can kind of like, you figure out ways to kind of grease the engine a little bit, so to speak, you know, like by, by doing certain hacks, you know, growth hacking is a great way to do it. And, and you have to do that, of course, as a business, but I also think you can't do it by sacrificing the long-term part of how you're building a brand. And so my question oftentimes back when people have said that to me, well, tell me about how to drive revenue and performance. I said, well, tell me what story you want people to believe in and why they should believe in your company and why does you believe in your story and your product? Because then that comes back to storytelling and storytelling married with performance marketing is golden, but just performance marketing on its own without storytelling, you're just kind of buying transactions. I think, you know, and a lot of those in my, what I've seen anyway, is 
you know, you can, you will get revenue for a lot of them. They, they churn at a higher rate because they haven't fallen in love with what you do. You haven't, you bought their business in some ways. You haven't really sold them on the vision of what you're trying to have them achieve. Yeah. The story lets you earn the business, right? As opposed to buying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on that note, I wanted to switch to kind of look inside a little bit. So one of the things that I've gotten, I would say borderline obsessed with over the past few years is really the idea of internal marketing and I've yet to become good at it. So I actually, I'd probably say I suck at it because I'm not truly dedicated to it, but I believe it is a massive, massive opportunity. Thinking up from that slightly bigger scale, large organizations, just the idea of internal storytelling, internal content sharing, making sure that a story and a mission and a purpose and these, these core parts of what creates a connection, that that is actually shared inside the organization over and over again with the same you know, dedication to like focus, consistency, and time, right? Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts as a marketing leader, as someone who really, really knows this shit, to give advice to leaders of large companies that are trying to improve things internally, so to speak? What lessons from the marketing world of storytelling would you take with you to that conversation? There's a couple of lessons. You know, one of the things... One of the observations that I've seen in the last couple of years, everybody wants to know the secret behind building a strong community, right? Because a community can drive real value because it becomes a self-sustaining way of actually growing how many people buy into your vision. And if you have great advocates in your community, you know, they will share the goodness of your company with everybody who will listen because they feel like they're part of something. But the secret to building a strong community is it starts internally. It doesn't start externally. It doesn't start with your customers or your prospects, it starts with your employees. And so that means that, you know, many different things, it means how you treat your employees, how you think about the values that you communicate with them, but also I think how you prepare them for having the conversations. Think about this, I'm sure you've been in many companies where sales enablement or sales productivity has been a thing, right? It has been in pretty much all the companies I've worked for. Why don't we have a similar thing for all employees? It's weird that you only have it for your sales team and like train them and give them all the tools and the skills they need to be successful in every conversation. But guess what? Every one of your employees is having conversations out there. Every one of them. They might have it with different people. They might not be selling, but they're having conversations with friends, with family, with people that they might be meeting, friends and so on. And so what are you doing to prepare them? Are you sharing the stories of how you became successful? Are you sharing the stories that, that make this company worth fighting for? Are you sharing the, the amazing successes that we've had with our customers and why they believe in us so much? One of the things I think Salesforce did really well, we did a lot of great internal marketing. So when we were launching Chatter, this was back in 2009, 2010, when I was working there, we would do a massive internal campaign that would share all the stories of how companies were using Chatter. And, and we would share like five core stories and we'd put posters up and we'd put you know, things on people's desks and we'd send out you know, videos and so on. But it was the five same stories. So they became kind of the myths, the legends of why this, this product was so game-changing for the company. If you try to share too much, I think it'll just wash over people. If you don't share anything, they will never learn what makes you special. So you also have to figure out the right cadence, the right method of delivery, Nowadays, you've got many great tools, Slack and Zoom and so on. I mean, they're all awesome for actually sharing. So you've got to figure that whole thing out. But it's always struck me as, okay, companies spend so much money and effort and time on sales enablement and productivity, but we don't do it for the rest of our employees. It's such a missed opportunity because if you want to create a, a great company and a great community, start with your employees. And so that is, why not, why not take the time? to train them and to share the stories with intention of what you want them to learn about and know about. I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a key opportunity. And we're trying it here at Matterport. You know, we do very frequent town halls and all hands meetings and, and so on. And part of that we use absolutely for internal marketing, for internal community building, especially now in the time of COVID because we can't get together in the same room. You can't walk around an office and so on. So you have to do that a little bit more frequently. But I'm also at the same, same, like super curious about what else can we do to really get people? Because I also know it's, it, it's, 
you know, I want to, I want people to believe in the mission of what it is that we're doing because I know that they'll be happier, they'll share more with their networks, and ultimately, I think they'll also do better work. You know, if you unleash the, the positivity in people, they will do better work because they feel like they're doing something that has meaning. Mm. Yeah, so well put. You know, um, on that note, I just just wanted to ask you. I I realized that you have, after about twenty years, made a return back to the motherland, the fine country of Denmark. We look at you as our, you know, best brothers. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> We have the saying. Do you know the Norwegian saying, by the way, about being in in Denmark as a Norwegian? No. no. It's amazing to be Norwegian in Denmark. That's an official slogan um, up there in that part of the world. So I got to say, I've never heard of "may I call you the God slogan." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a really good one. But um, you've made it back there. You obviously have team folks from the team everywhere you yeah. i mean it, it was already a challenge for everybody here this year right people being in all kinds of places time zones all the stuff mm-hmm. very tactical question but how do you think about channels right so we've talked about zoom and slack i mean oversaturated we're drowning in all that stuff but no, I, no. you know beyond the how you work with zoom which has been really insightful um how do you think about the total mix of channels for internal communication right now? Well, I think that the, the split that people have mentally between internal and external communication is kind of a false equivalency in some ways, or maybe they're, they're false as in they're that different. You know, one of the things that, that you and I connect a lot on is LinkedIn. Well, guess what? Everybody who's connected to me at work is also connected to me on LinkedIn. So everything I put on there is as much for my team as it is for the rest of the world. So when I put out statements about learnings or positivity or thoughts about marketing, it's as much for my team and my company to see as it is for everybody else, because I want to treat everybody like they're part of the family. Uh, and, and of course, you know, not everybody works for me. I totally <laughs> get that. But, but the team at Matterport, if they can get inspired by some of the thinking that's in my head that I sometimes maybe not have time to articulate, or don't have an opportunity to articulate because we're not on meetings all day. Sometimes they can read about that, you know, in the channels that I share very publicly, because it's not like a mystery. If I have a marketing thought about how to think about brand or performance marketing or storytelling, it's not like it's a super secret. I mean, if you can't articulate it to the world, then you'll have a really hard time articulating it to the team. So in terms of like, like the channels, You've got time zone differences, you know, people are not working asynchronously, you know, there's lots of different things. I think people are drowning, like you said, in a lot of different channels. I think you have to be, be very mindful of how you share information, how often you share information, what channels you use for certain things. You know, I, one of the things I did when I first joined Matterport, I wrote this, and it might sound a little self-indulgent, but and it wasn't meant that way, but I wrote a, a, an instruction manual to how I so, so it just takes the guesswork out of it. Like, so everybody who's going to work with me, I sent it to them and I got virtually all positive feedback. There might've been people who thought, ah, but, but, but mostly people just said, this is great because now it takes the guesswork out of how you, you like to work. And in that, that manual, I clearly say, here's what I think about marketing. Here's how I like to communicate. Here's how I think about you know, uh, learning. Here's how I think about you know, treating team members. And if you want to communicate with me, here are the channels to use. You know, if you want something urgent, you text me. If something is not super urgent, uh, then Slack is a great form. And if you have something that is longer, quite longer than you want me to consume, that has usually attachments or something, then send it in an email. And so, so learning to, to use the right thing, I think, is an important way of communicating with people. And I'm learning the same way about my team. You know, I'm like, like as in this process, I'm thinking of figuring out how do I communicate with them in a way? You know, I have, it's not a big team. It's less than 20 people, but it, everyone has a different way of communicating. Yeah, I can definitely tell some of the people who are maybe a little bit more experienced are much more used to the email way. And some of the newer ones who are just kind of growing up in their career, like Slack and all the other stuff is, is like, it's just the way they don't even read email. And that's totally fine as well. And so I am also learning how to like moderate and, and modify my communication style. And, and it's just like you, you have to meet people where they are. That's how you lead. You can't, you can't be all about your way. But I figured 
at least by telling people how I consume information, that, that lets them share with me in a way that already gets us off on a good foot. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's, it's, there's still a lot to me. I feel like one of the reasons I, I'm staying so positive because when you have these moments of crisis in the world, it's been true in my life, it's probably been true too, it's actually the moments of crisis that you see the biggest changes happening. So I said this actually back in March when coronavirus was hitting, you know, it's, it's horrible, right? But one good thing about it is that you're gonna have the smartest people in the world in every country are going to be looking for a solution for this. And it's true. I mean, you know, you see now vaccines popping up all over the place in record time. I mean, I know none of them are out yet, but, and it's happening because it's not like you have a, a little team somewhere trying to solve this. You have the smartest people everywhere. But the same is true of digital communication because the whole world was suddenly forced into communicating in a brand new way from home that was just very jarring for everybody. I think you have so many smart people out there thinking about how do we optimize communication? And you just see like in the last six months, the innovation happening in Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Slack, it's like light years nearly ahead of, of where it was just a year ago. So I'm very hopeful that, you know, even though this is maybe not ideal, it's certainly better than anything that we had beforehand. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I got a question for you about just the, um, the stuff that you consume personally, whether it's <laughs> content around business, shows, podcasts, like I know you're obviously active on LinkedIn, but aside from that, what do you take in and where do you get the highest value? Well, I love to take in nature. Nature is one of the best things for me. Nature and exercise is just how I, I would say stay sane, you know, and I try to do this a lot, you know, and I'm just going to step back so you can see it. Cause I, cause this is kind of the, the movement that you do, in the world, if you ever do it, I would highly recommend you try, you try it right now, right? Do it, yeah. Because when you do this, it's very hard to be upset or pissed off. You're kind of like letting goodness into your, your life when you do this. And so I try to do this a lot, especially when I'm out walking or I'm standing up working and so on. It's, 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 it's really hard to frown or be pissed off when you do it, but you have to smile. <laughs> it's just kind of like what you do. And so this is, a, this is a great thing to do, I think. And I encourage everybody to do it as much, much, much as you can, especially this time. So, so I consume nature. I consume positivity. I use using your body in positive ways with exercise, with standing up, getting energy. so important. It's so easy to like, just like curl up in a ball and be like, oh, everything's tough. So that's important. Um, I also think, you know, reading things that feed your soul is really important. I actually don't read that much. Um, I don't read that, that many business books or, or uh, nonfiction books because I feel like whenever I need a boost of positivity or inspiration, I go online, especially LinkedIn. Like I said, it's just such a positive influence on my life. So I read a lot of, of fiction. You know, I just, I like stories that can inspire me to think a little differently or see the world from in a different perspective. I think it's super interesting. I listen to a lot of great podcasts, you know, that, that also uh, really can inspire me. And one of the things that's really been a game changer for me lately has been the app Calm. Oh, what a great app. It's, I don't know if you've tried it, but my God, like the, the, the meditations that they have, the sleep stories, the nature sound effects, it's just, uh, it's, it's completely changed my life in the last couple of months. And so I'm, I'm super, super thankful that I take my multivitamins, especially vitamin D and vitamin C right now, super important. Um, and then just try to eat as healthy as I can. I, I won't lie. I mean, I, it's not like I'm a saint when it comes to eating, but uh, I try to like fill my body with things that give me energy and, and, and inspiration. You know, um, I, I started this thing a few years back uh, called intermittent fasting. And it, that was a game changer in my life because it gave me so much more energy. You know, certainly it made me like, I felt like I was fitter as well, but it also just gave me energy instead of like, you know, eating a big, big ass lunch and then I would fall asleep for like two hours after and it was just like it's like two hours of wasted productivity now I don't get those energy swings at all so I just I try to eat usually from between like 12 30 in the afternoon to like 8 30 in the evening that's kind of my window but and then when sometimes it, it's a little flexible on both ends but it's really been a game changer for me as well so yeah those are some of the things that, that I consume we're quite similar on that front, my man. Um, yeah. I, I was scarfing down the last bit of, of lunch. Right I saw. Now. You may have seen that, but uh, 
that's the that's my window too it's 12 30 to actually maybe seven ish or so mm-hmm. um, only two meals a day that's the max and yeah. uh, oh. it is incredible how it makes you feel you know totally. it's, it's, it's great i um i hopped on this kind of well back then it was just referred to as low carb high fat <laughs> you know back yeah. in i don't know like seven eight years ago and so I did that with the intermittent fasting and, and it's huh. total, total game changer. Totally, totally. I mean, and I'm like, and you start realizing pretty quickly, you don't really need that much food. You <laughs> end up snacking. It's true. I mean, you really don't. I mean, it, 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 for, there's no doubt the first two, three days is a little hard, right? Then you kind of get used to it. And uh, it's one of my favorite books of all times is a book called Siddhartha by Herman Hess. I just love that book about a young guy who goes into the world and kind of finds himself. No, well. And he always, he always, he always says this thing in the book, uh, I can think, I can wait, <laughs> and I can fast. That's basically, you know, what he says, right? That's because he becomes kind of like a, you know, wandering, uh, uh, kind of like, I guess, monk in some ways, right? And that's what he does. And I think somebody that that to myself, and I'm like, I can, if, as long as I can think and I can wait, I have patience and I can use my brain and I can, I don't have to consume food all the time. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. So that, um, that book, my friend may have been the only book that I read in a literature class in college that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> and it has stayed with me as a favorite. It was my, uh, the late great Dr. Schwartz, uh, who had oh, me read that wow. book and it was, uh, yeah, it's that is a, that is a great story, and those yeah those three uh, punchlines are good, man. That's good. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, if he can do it, I can do. It. I know it's a it's a fiction, it's fiction, but still, just I just it always struck with me like I can think, I can wait, I can fast. Okay, all right, there you go. I can do that. Hey, this is this has been so insightful, and not surprisingly, it has been um, very positive. There have been other folks, actually, other guests as part of this reboot thing that I've been looking forward to this and just heard me say that, you know, positivity is really, if you listen to, to Robin, positivity is really a requirement for proper leadership. I believe that. And I think you embody that. Um, the thing that I kind of want to close on is just the challenges of, you know, staying positive in every mm. situation, right. And dealing with, situations when people are legitimately down and where there might be you know it might not be cynicism but it might just be mm-hmm. hard for some people to always embrace it right like not everybody is wired the exact same way not everybody's consuming the same thing how do you how do you find the balance i suppose mm-hmm. in your positive leadership and reading the room um so to mm-hmm. speak how do you work through that um it's a, it's a, it's definitely tougher now that you're communicating through this this way uh, through video conferencing, but the fundamentals are the same. You're understanding where people are coming from and what they're going through in their lives, and whatever it is, trying to to get people to understand that you know even though they might feel down or they might feel like a failure or they might something might not have gone right that it's temporary. This notion of things being temporary, I think, is just so important. I think when you're in something, and I don't know if it comes from either having failed a lot in my life, which I have, <laughs> or if, if it comes from maybe uh, I've gotten into running really in my later years, you know, I've done some marathons, but this notion of there's always a moment in time that really sucks, you know, and, and like, but, but knowing it's not permanent, that you can get through it, and when you get through it, there's so much positivity waiting for you on the other side, you know, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people right now for whatever reason are beating themselves up, you know, for, for circumstances that they don't control, right? You know, I, I've been laid off a few times in my life, as I've mentioned. And every time I felt like, what did I do wrong? What, what where did I fail? Right. And it's like, it wasn't me. It was like the whole team was let go, but you feel that you take it personally, but every time it's happened, honestly, it's led me to something better. I ended up leaving a job, maybe not by my choice, that wasn't right for me or a company that wasn't right for me. And it's hard to see in the moment. And that's why I'm saying it's like in the moment you feel just like anxious and scared. And like, you know, the first time it happened for me, as I think I've said to you, I I moved February 1st to California. 
Um, I bought a one-way ticket. I didn't have a place to live. Or I didn't have a job. I'd never been. I just wanted to go. And then a month after I got to California, the whole market crashed. And the company I was with didn't do so well. And I ended up actually leaving on my own to go to a different startup company. I could see the writing on the wall for the first company I joined. I joined this other company. I was there four months. And then the whole company really shut down. And I got laid off. And you're just standing there like in this massive uncertainty, staring in the face. You don't have a job. You don't really have any income coming in. It's just, and it's scary. But I use that to like propel myself forward. Like, okay, instead of wallowing in it, you know, in the self-pity of what I, what went wrong. Okay, I'm going to use this to actually try to pick myself up and, and be very intentional and focused on what I want to do. And so I just, you know, I hustled my way into kind of finding my next job, you know, through networks and through people and by applying and just never giving up. But it's the same, I think, you know, if you look fast forward to now, you know, you have these situations where I think a lot of people are going through tough times, you know. And so how do you, how do you show up and, and make sure that they can understand? I think a lot of it comes down to getting people to, to realize that, first of all, it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. But second, you know, what you focus on in your life also will grow. So if you're focusing on all the negative things that are happening in your life, that ends up consuming you more and more and more. If you want to change your life, ultimately you got to change your attitude. And so, of course, if somebody comes and they're upset and they're complaining, I always listen and there should always be room for that. But if somebody does it consistently over a period of time, you know you have to step in and actually take, I think, some, some action to turn that around because if it happens too long, I'm sure you've seen it in your life, then it usually leads to a path of, great bitterness or cynicism or inaction and a lot of things that it's very hard to pull out from. And guess what? It has an impact on your career, on your life. Nobody wants to work with somebody who's super negative or doesn't show up and gives energy back to everybody else. And so especially, you know, when I'm trying to coach people through that, it's like, you know, if you want people to work with you, want people to be inspired by you, people to give you the cool projects, then showing up you know, with positivity and energy and a good attitude, it's going to make all the difference in your life. It really is. Wow. Um, I think we will wrap there, my friend. That was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for sharing all that. I know there are plenty of people very excited for this. So, Thank you. Hey, so people can find you on LinkedIn, I know. Is there anywhere else you want to send folks? LinkedIn is the best place. That's where I spend the majority of my non-working hours. Perfect. Robin Daniels, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. No, Take care. Thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcomed. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.